Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. Morning spins feature on lockdown weekends. Jersey, tights. Shoes and bicycle prepped. This is where the girl forecasts wind cloud blends. Helmet, gloves, bandana and shades checked. Dresser clocks ticks down Saturday dawns. Cobra bend, happy baby, cat and cow pose. Mr. Roast, Mr. Rooster throats his doodle doo yawns. Aching back, spinal stretch from head to toes. Birds coo, leaves unfurl, scent of dew, glears, gears clicked, headlights and reflectors on. Mr. Bike cycles down past the twilight curfew, saddle grip rolling off, splintered dawn. Buses, trains, snaking passenger queues, footpaths, sidewalks, lanes and pavements. Madam Road swallows vehicular traffic blues, joggers, pedestrians with pets, senior citizens, iced cocoa, so have been drinking milk, less teas, restaurants, cafes, food centres and canteens, Mrs Stomach growls for breakfast delicacies, carbohydrates, fats, minerals, proteins, toilet stops, chicane crossings, water breaks, Chit-chatting, jokes, dry coughs and dotty gossips. Dr. Anth- Dr. An- <laughs> Anatomy unzips the sinewy and muscles aches. Public restrooms, wet cubicles, lavatory drips. High humidity, airborne dust, inching mercuries, buttocks, quadriceps, knees and ankles. Mrs. Cyclist pedals on Sunday's shady breeze. Biceps, f- Forearms, wrists and knuckles. And...
you're back listening to the Arabug Radio Show. Well, not back, but we're here on a Monday morning, just after Thank Seuss for Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. If you want to stay in contact with what's happening around the world, Amy is the place to go. Democracy Now. We've got a good show coming up. We're going to speak about one of the particular themes in Australia's botanical history, which will be interesting. (laughs) We're going to be talking about a couple of other little things that are happening in the bicycle world. And good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. That little poem, I'm sorry, was a little bit junctured, but a little bit like a bicycle ride, (laughs) comes from E-Tai, straight off the internet. Don't tell me I can't find something. (laughs) Uh, Very funny, but probably sums up a lot of things, actually. It's quite a nice couple of um, phrases in that. I'm not too sure. Yes. Oh, what a weekend. Back through the ghostly streets of Melbourne, the ride to Fitzroy. Well, within my 5K limit, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's good to be back. Faith, bicycle moments are plenty, I presume. Uh, Well, I have. um, I had an extended bicycle moment last week, and uh, it wasn't on the bike, but I I got my tax return. And um, I ended up spending it on uh, antique books from the 19th century about how Oh, some of them written by women cycling and some of them are written by women travelling. Uh, but that was uh, a good couple of days doing some research and exploring some stories, discovering some new stories I wasn't aware of. And uh, one thing I love, because I, I, I do have one other book that's 125 years old, um, and the thing I love about them is holding it and realising that another woman held it and it, it meant something to her. I think, um, you know, the books that were specifically aimed at women in the 1890s or earlier and uh, or are about women's stories, there's a, a very high chance that it wasn't just some random gift or uh, you, yeah. you know there's been... Uh, very likely that the person who was holding it and reading it was uh, very invested in it. So that's uh, it's this tangible connection. It's so looking forward to lots of parcels over the next six weeks. Australia Post, I hope you're on your toes there. <laughs> <laughs> now that Christine's there not to run you properly, I retract that statement, of course. Um, uh, the, and look, the um, the other thing is they're probably one-owner books. I mean, in a lot of ways, I presume there. I would imagine those things had come from a lot of estate sales. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think I think you're right. That a to survive in good condition up until this took 2021. Until, yeah, yeah. They they've generally been you know one or two, maybe a grandparent, and it's ended up with the grandchildren. Yep. Um, and you know it was. Unfortunately, it's it's true of a lot of things that document women's history. Once that original owner passed it on, it was one of the things that got thrown away because it wasn't important. It wasn't like yeah. the book about men's cycling that might have been kept or something. Or so, the next generation weren't all that didn't books were something that they ne- wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, there there is often I think um, 
a very ten- and maybe in the last couple of years there's been a few owners as suddenly its its value is more recognised. But yeah, yeah. And look, I'm, I'm going to ask you this because this happened to me once actually. Have you ever had a little postcard or a handwritten note appear in one of the books, or they've all probably gone through having been looked through? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, these are coming from people who specialise yep. in them. So they've uh, – and, you know, I haven't got them yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, but, so we should read from yeah, this. Um, uh, I think, you know, if you found it in a second-hand bookshop or somewhere where it hadn't been scrutinised, but yeah. you know, by the time someone gets it who um, specialises in selling antique books, then it's probably been fairly carefully examined. Yeah. I once stumbled across volume six of Manning Clark's History of Australia in my local op shop when <laughs> I nearly fell over. And you can imagine my delight when I got home and opened it up and there were two school, uh, two full scap uh, pages of lovely cursive script, fountain pen, on the uh, Victorian Parliament stationery inside, <laughs> but no name. The no name no, of the solicitor no. up the front who I could I tracked down who we used to be in business in Richmond at some stage because he had his stamp on the front of it, but couldn't work out whose writing <laughs> from the Victorian <laughs> Parliament was inside. I'd look a little bike uh, bike moment. I've uh, instead of doing a sort of big loop to go to the shopping, I've been doing a couple of. Uh, I suppose they're sort of grid rides around Burnley and Richmond and discovering a lot of little streets and little lane and little gardens. Burbing. You've been burbing, I've Val. I've been burbing, <laughs> but, but cross-hatching. And, and, and I'm only going to the bakery. Um, but, look, I came across this most wonderful sculptured olive tree the other day in the front of a small garden. Now, if you can imagine one of those collapsible umbrellas, you know, the tiny ones. And you've got it sort of half open. So there's a peak, falls down to the valley, back up again and then curls back over the top. There's an olive tree that is only be about five and a half feet tall but has that exact shape. It's been pruned to go up, then droop down like a like an umbrella, then curl back up and all the greenery. So, I mean, the olive tree is probably about 40 or 50 years old. And it, just one of those little highlights. <laughs> <laughs> Something that happens as you're riding around your block. A little bit of news? Well, the big news uh, is the Olympics yep. road racing, which um, men's and women's races, both are very exciting. Um, and the women's race, you know, a, a little bit controversial or I, I guess um, – there's a lot of discussion, especially in the Dutch media. I was reading this morning, um, uh, Annemiek van Floten wasn't aware that there was a, a rider up the front. front. Um, some of her team members were. Mariana Voss has said she knew. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're seeing that thing where riders who are used to the professional peloton, radio, contact, and a lot more communication are having to ride under... Official wits. amateur conditions. Yeah. Um, Giesenhofer, amazing because she is an amateur cyclist. She doesn't like riding in the peloton. Uh, she did her own training. She's done all. Her, she's worked. She's a mathematician, um, 
and prepared herself for it. She does have some experience in the professional circuit years ago, but, um, you know, said, you know, don't let people tell you that they know better than you what to do and to trust yourself. Yeah. And uh, she knew she doesn't like riding in a group. She had to go early and uh, she went from the start and she stayed out there. Um, incredible ride and uh, something nice about seeing an amateur able to win the Olympics road race. Which leads perfectly on to <laughs> 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 to all things, this is an occurring feature, and I'm I look forward to it actually popping up post Tour de France every year. Why are we so obsessed with this idea that we're building micro electric bikes for Tour de France riders to race around? I cannot believe how much this. Look, I can believe it, obviously, because cycling has a long and proud over a 100-year-old history of doping. I mean, they're very good at it, as we know. They invented microdosing. They invented a lot of the other things that every other sport tapped into. But to see this obsession where I put a battery onto a bicycle, I find and this bloke could only ride up a hill like that unless he had a battery strapped to his bicycle. Well, I think um, one outcome that's been universal with the pandemic and and lots of people having to spend a lot more time not doing the things they normally do and uh, feeling anxious is we have seen a, a lot of people willing and very invested in conspiracy theories. Like there's something very attractive about them to people when they're feeling anxious and scared. So this is just another – I mean, I, it does have the history, um, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be interesting to see what you make of this next news item. <laughs> <laughs> the, for those of you who do have plenty of time and just can't get enough of watching elderly middle-aged men blast themselves out into space, you may have picked up a notice, a promo for um, – uh, I'm not sure what his name is, Mr. Branson. Yes, I know what his name is. I don't want to say it. Partnered up with Drek the Bicycle, manufactured a oh, promote yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm going, where do you connect this connection? Bicycles have been amused and abused in car ads. Now we're going to put one into outer space. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be finer. <laughs> Now, we're going to be back with a little bit uh, something else about what's happening in Melbourne after this break. 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Backrose Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. And you're back listening to Val and Faith with the Yarrabug radio show. There we go. That word from Second Chance Cycles. I think with all things being well, they'll be back Thursday and Friday this week. Good to have them back. I know my son is uh, busting to get down there. He's uh, building a fixie. 
<laughs> and he's uh, looking for some bits. <laughs> That's good. Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, another issue that came up this week, we've seen um, in, you know, a couple of corners of the media in Melbourne, uh, I think a few weeks ago it was the Herald Sun. This last week it was Channel 7. Um, uh, stories about supposed backlash over bike lanes replacing car parks in the city of Melbourne. Um, and mm. the Channel 7 one, you know, was the a spokesman for small business in the CBD. Uh, and I think he called them bike lanes were the the fat of the city and, and preventing business from recovering um, and arguing against the City of Melbourne's long-term strategy for more bike lanes. So I thought it might be timely just to uh, run through how accurate that idea is that uh, replacing car parking hurts business. There was coincidentally this week a uh, story came out from Berlin New research, this is research that's been done all around the world, including Australia, over and over again, uh, surveying customers and retailers in two shopping strips in Berlin, uh, which found that, as we know, the vast majority of shoppers had not travelled to their destination by a car. Uh, 91% of the revenue generated by the businesses on those shopping strips came out of the wallets of customers who walked, cycled or used public transport. Customers that drove to the shops accounted in those two cases for 9% of sales. Uh, Interestingly, what this shows again, when you contrast the reality of how people get to the shopping strip with how retailers estimate they get there. So again, yeah. retailers were overestimating the number who arrived by car. So in Berlin, it was retailers estimating that 22% of customers got there by car when in fact it was on one of these streets only 7% and between the two streets 9%. Uh and this is a consistent thing because as I mentioned this research has been done all over the world. Uh a number of times. We can go back to Melbourne on Ligon Street and uh, the research there was done 11 years ago and found the same thing, that those people arriving by bicycle were contributing more to the local businesses than those uh, coming by car. Uh, There's also research from Toronto Uh, which demonstrates the same, and, of course, a lot from different European cities. Um, Victoria Walks have research on shopping strips all over Melbourne that finds that uh, most, not most, but big chunks of people come by other than cars, and this is more so for shopping strips. So if you have... um, a shopping centre like High Point or Northland. Uh, obviously, people go to those by car. If you have, say, Sydney Road uh, in Moreland, um, more people arrive by car, foot, public transport or yep. bicycle than by car. And once people get into their car, it's it 
makes more sense for them to go to those bigger shopping strips because they the bigger shopping centers because they work better. So yeah. if you don't make it easy and comfortable for people to arrive by foot or by bike or public transport, um, you're more likely to see people diverting to somewhere else. Um, there's research from the city of Moreland that I'll just see if I can bring it up showed on Sydney Road that 39% of shoppers surveyed on Sydney Road arrived by car. Uh, the other 61% on foot and walk by and foot, public transport, transport and bicycle. An estimate and traders had it exactly the wrong way around. They estimated that the number of people arriving by car would be 61%, whereas no. uh, it was 39. Uh, there was another intercept survey done recently on Ligon Street, and that was uh, in conjunction with some research being done by the Stop Bunnings Glenlion Road group, residents group, and that found, again, the exact same thing. Um, I can't remember the exact figures, but yeah. it was up around the 60% of people uh, had walked um, yeah. or arrived by public transport and bicycles. So, And the CBD in particular. I mean, who drives into the CBD to go shopping? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's people who are going to need to drive um, and obviously with the number of amount of parking in the CBD, they they can still do so. But the idea that business needs parking to be supported in areas like shopping strips and the CBD no. um, just doesn't hold water. And we've got research now going back no. 20 years to show that. I'm, I'm going to – I could make a couple of very – it's a very – it's a, a – Common, um, I mean, it's confirmation bias. It's everything mixed in together, actually. I don't want to look at the figures or those figures are not right. I mean, we've seen it so many times before. The interesting thing is, I mean, if they applied that sort of thinking to the way they run their business, they'd certainly be out of business quite quickly. The other thing is, these are very short-term things. If you look at the number of people who are dying early from air pollution from cars in big cities, the numbers are enormous. You know, it makes cities unlivable. Ask anybody who's been to Paris in the last three years or Berlin or even London, the way actually taking away parking and restricting cars to shopping centres has changed the way everything operates. If you need to rely on those small numbers of people who are going to drive a car virtually to your doorstep to rush in, buy something and rush out. I don't think you're in for a long future, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Not a, you know, but it's very it's such a common thing, isn't it? it no is, matter how much the research says, it's a willful turning away from it. It, it is confirmation bias. I mean, the mm. thing that's consistently come out from um, the research is that traders tend to assume their customers get to the shops the way they do. Yeah. But their customers in shopping strips are locals. Yep. And uh, so and, – and, you know, there is the thing of, um, well, I always park out the front and I need to be able to go on doing so, but 
if if on a place like Sydney Road, if people can always find a park outside the front of your shop, then there's a problem. Problem. Because <laughs> Big the parking's problem. not being used. <laughs> you have got an enormous problem. <laughs> and look, one of the Melbourne's features, and I'm sorry if we're talking um, to everybody, but... Um, Strip shopping in the suburbs is what makes Melbourne, the village character of Melbourne, so good. That's why in American, little lovely rural cities in America or small towns, when they build a Walmart two k's out of town and everybody drives there, you ruin the whole city. And the other thing is, actually, when you drive to Walmart, you've probably got a longer walk from the car park to get into the shop than you've got anywhere else. (laughs) Events coming up. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who Anything knows? could happen. Don't don't watch the daily figures. We were going to do a little bit of um, the wattle, but I think we'll hold it over <laughs> to next week. But as everybody has noticed, the wassle, wattle is absolutely going. I'm allowed to see gangbusters out there. It is really a lovely feature at the moment, and surrounded by all different types of wattle. It's yes. great, yeah. you know. It's beautiful. Seriously um, good, and it's uh, it's lovely. Another thing to look at as you're riding along, all those things that change. Yeah, um, it's another sign of late winter when is. the the wattle has arrived. Um, and I think in the past, people have been, you know, going back a hundred years and a bit. People picked a lot of wattle. And they did. Um, and uh, now is that picking or stealing? Well, it ended up killing most of the wattle trees close to in Melbourne, yep. and then uh, you know within walking distance. Um, but the, you know, we sometimes hear a lot of complaints about selfies and Instagram. But I think the taking the the photo of the wattle is far better than stripping the trees of wattle, which is what's happened in the past on mass. He rose at dawn and sped from town. Astride his dusty, unwashed wheel, his aim to tear the wattle down, the fiend who cannot think or feel. We're going to have a bit more of that. Wattle <laughs> next week. He sounds like a, a true Australian character. Um, the wattle was used in those days for a lot of tanning, I think. Yep. My correct uh, memory is correct. Yep. Um, and so it was quite a. Uh, they thought that actually they'd run out of it if they. Pulled all the bottle down around Melbourne, which yep. is um, Used to be luckily a, for us they were wrong. Yes, well, I think there's uh, been some planting too. So there yeah. has been um, bicycle tips for the week. Pump <laughs> your tyres up. Well, my big tip would be if if a five kilometre limit is lifted, you know, it might be to twenty five k, but that would be a great. Um, advantage, Ooh. I think. And which would, which river would be a better wattle ride, do you think? The Yarra or the Maribyrnong? Well, I have to say the Merry Creek is Ooh, the Merry Creek. very densely uh, planted with wattle at the moment, as is evident. Yeah. Um, so I think that would give... I think Both I'm going to send that for to the Arab bug fact checking. 
then yeah. I don't. <laughs> but it'll be, uh, it'll be, it is one of those interesting things, actually. Um, and funnily enough, as I'm um, uh, riding to uh, riding to um, the Paris end of Smith Street this morning, I'm um, trying to spot a wattle. I can completely tell you now. I couldn't find. I did two cross hatches of East Melbourne. No, no wattle trees. There is not one wattle tree in Fitzroy Gardens. Not a one. Well, there's quite a few in the streets of Brunswick, I can tell you, and a lot along the creek. And there are a lot along the Yarra. There are a lot on other parks wherever ever see you. So send us your wattle selfies for next week, next fortnight. Next fortnight. We'll be looking for wattle selfies. See if you can get your complexion to match. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we have time for today. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. Coming up next is... Shibaps. Where we've been, and we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen, and we're not little children. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.